Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Man, 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 y'all, I'm so excited to speak and preach to you guys this Sunday morning. Anybody excited for the Word of God? Come on, y'all, it's going to be so good. I'm excited about it. Now, get this, y'all, get this. We are on the last part uh, on the study of of the book of Hebrews. This is part 13 of this semester on the study in the book of Hebrews. Anybody enjoying this semester and getting things out of this semester, y'all? I'm telling you what, we had three different syllabuses um, that we gave out where you were able to take notes and and being able to follow along with the different chapters that we go through. And we've been giving you guys weekly challenges. And we've been hearing testimonies and reports of what God is doing in people's lives. And Angela, thank you so much for sharing that. You had no idea. I was like about to just ball right there in the corner. Just my heartstrings were being pulled because, y'all, we are seeing lives transformed. We're seeing people grow in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. Like, we have such a huge heart for you guys and our church family and for our community. We want to see people's lives transformed. We want to see disciples made here at Riverside Church. So if you don't have a syllabus uh, for this last part, if you want to follow along and write some notes on the syllabus, you can raise your hand. I believe we have a couple syllabuses left. Y'all, we had an awesome night of thanks this past Tuesday. Who was here at the night of thanks 2020? It was awesome. So many pies. We're eating so many calories. We're just taking in, right? Anybody like... It was so awesome. The testimonies, the stories that were shown were incredible. And, you know, we've made it a point and priority to make sure that we celebrate together as church family at the end of these semesters, which is why uh, we were able to have that night of thanks. It was a way for us to celebrate the end of the semester as we get ready to go into the Christmas season. Anybody excited for Christmas? I'm excited for Christmas, y'all. So it's going to be good. Also, thanks to everybody that's tuning in and watching online. Thank y'all so much for joining us today. But like I said, y'all, part 13. Somebody say part 13. This is it, y'all. We're closing out the book of Hebrews today. So if you don't mind, feel free to stand as we read the syllabus chapter summary. And we're going to read out of the chapter of Hebrews chapter 13. And I want to read real quick. In the syllabus, we put a chapter summary um, within each syllabus for each chapter. Uh, So for Hebrews 13, we're going to read this out real quick. This is the chapter summary for the book of Hebrews. This can be found in your syllabus. Feel free just to listen in. It says, Hebrews 13 is a mixture of warnings, requests, and final exhortations. It is a reminder to the fellowship of Christ to let love remain, show hospitality, and honor each other, as well as remembering to pray for leaders in the church. This book ends on a wonderful note by reminding us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and help me finish it, forever. Come on, anybody thankful that we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even when the world is unfair, we serve a God that is still faithful. Amen? And the verses I want us to focus on this Sunday morning is found in verse 10 through 16. And some scholars have called these verses a summary statement of the entire book of Hebrews. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10 through 16. Feel free to follow along. I'm reading out the New King James version this Sunday morning. It says this, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Somebody say outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. So in other words, we're going to touch up on this more 
part of the sacrificial system and the practices uh, for Judaism during this time was that once a animal was sacrificed, a sin sacrifice, in order to pay for the payment uh, of the sins of the people, after the, the sin sacrifice took place, it was very important to the Hebrews that the animal, that the, the flesh, the carcass, whatever was left of the animal, it had to be taken outside the camp. In other words, that's, that's in, in, in Jerusalem's time, during the time of Jesus, in other words, it was taken outside the walls. And this had happened from the times of Moses and, and the Israelites being in the desert to all the way to the Jerusalem where Jesus was walking in. So it was so important that after the sacrifice took place, the carcass had to be taken out. Why? Because there was a transfer for that sin, and it was considered unclean and dirty and impure. Otherwise, if it was kept within the, the city gates, it would have defiled the temple. It would have defiled the tabernacle, whatever you want to call it. It would have defiled the city. So it was so important for it to be taken out by a priest, not just anybody, but by a priest. And it says this, therefore, let us go forth to him, talking of Jesus, outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I want us to read verse 13 again one more time. Because keep that in mind. This is a big part of their tradition, a big part of their religion, a big part of their religious practice, that anything outside the camp was just dirty and unclean and just wasn't pure. And Jesus went outside the camp and they had taken these animals outside the camp. And, and, and honestly, that's one of the reasons Jesus fulfilled the law and fulfilled the prophecy because Jesus, you see, the, the priest had to take the sacrifice outside the camp, but Jesus was the priest and the sacrifice in one. Think about that. He was the priest and the sacrifice one. He suffered outside the camp. He was hung up on the cross. And get this, the author says, therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. And that was radical to say to the Hebrews during that time because it went against their tradition, their ideology, everything that they had learned. So let's pray this Sunday morning because this, this morning's message, if you want to write this down before we pray, it's this. You ready? The message for this Sunday morning is outside the camp. This is a call for someone to step outside of the camp. We're going to talk about this, and we're going to study this more, and I have some things I want to say, but let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, Lord. This is all about you, Jesus. All about you, Jesus. God, thank you for waking us up this morning, Jesus. Thank you for being so good, so loving, so merciful to us, God. We love you so much, God. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we just thank you, Lord. We surrender our hearts to you, Lord. We yield our hearts to you this Sunday morning. Speak to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, let us walk out different than the way that we came in. And everybody said, and everybody said, if you love Jesus, can you give him a shout of praise one last time? Like you got some caffeine and energy in your system. Come on, y'all. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. Um, like we had said, it kind of kind of amazes me how Thanksgiving has come to an end already. And we pray and hope all of you guys had an amazing uh, Thanksgiving holiday this year, whatever you had planned, whether you stayed in town, at home, or whatever it was, like out, outside of town, I don't know. We just pray and hope all you guys had an amazing Thanksgiving holiday. But I'm really excited, y'all, because now, get this, Thanksgiving has come to an end, but now Christmas is just around the corner. I don't know about you, Christmas is personally like my favorite time of the year. And with Christmas and with Thanksgiving comes many different family 
traditions. And it's interesting because each family may carry different traditions, things that you do every year. You know what I mean? Like you're just very intentional about doing things a certain way. Like for example, who in here put up your Christmas tree like the day right after Thanksgiving? Right? Like, like Thanksgiving's over, you took down the turkeys, you took down all the like leaves and everything, and now you're just in Christmas mode, right? With the Christmas tree. Or who has had their Christmas tree up for a while? Like, you know what I mean? Like, as soon as fall hit, which it's actually kind of hard to tell whenever fall is happening in Texas. You just have to look at the calendar because the hot and humid weather, we just don't really know. Like, it's unpredictable with the weather in Texas, right? In Victoria, right? Or maybe you've had, I've heard of some people have had Christmas trees up like up all year round. I'm like, honestly, it's kind of comforting sometimes walking, you know. Anyways, or maybe you're like my family. Maybe you wait until the last minute. Maybe you wait until December time. Like for me and my family, what our tradition is, we love going uh, to the store and picking out a real Christmas tree. We go pick out a real Christmas tree together. We'll take it back home, right? Anybody get real trees, right? You don't just have like the, the tree that you craft and kind of put together, whatever, right? But you have a real tree. Well, me and my family, we'll go get a real tree, and we're probably going to do it in the next coming week or so or whatever. And we'll, our tradition is we put on some Christmas music, um, and we decorate the tree while we have a whole bunch of snacks and appetizers and little things like that. And it just, it just, I don't know what it is. It just brings warmth. It just feels good. I love doing that. You know, and I had talked to a coworker recently, um, and I was, tell, I was asking him, like, what do they do for a Christmas tradition? He had told me, and I didn't believe him whenever he said it. He had said, every year, me and my family, we go out, we get a Christmas tree, and instead of putting it right side up, we put it upside down. I was like, upside down? He was like, yeah. He said, it's actually kind of popular. People just like the way that it looks. So check out this picture. I didn't believe it until he showed me a picture of it. This is a tradition some people have. They put upside down Christmas trees in their home. They just like the way that it looks. I don't know how it's balanced or whatever, you know. But then I began to think to myself, I wonder what other traditions are out there that people do in the world that it's kind of different, right? So I, I looked it up online. I found a couple of different things. Show the next picture real quick, y'all. Uh, what this is known if, as is this is known as fill the boot. And this actually happens in Germany. And get this, y'all. Kids on Christmas Eve, they'll put a shoe or boot outside their door, and depending on if they were good or not, if they were good, when they woke up in the morning and came outside, they'll find candy and little treats and stuff uh, inside their shoe, right? And then they'll eat it. And then, and then if they were bad, though, there would be a branch. I don't know if this person was good and bad because they have branches and candies in their shoe. I don't know, but that's pretty interesting, right? Here's another thing that happened. I, I don't know if we should, I, I think we should probably strongly consider doing this as a church and making it a tradition, y'all. In Venezuela, don't show the picture yet, but in Venezuela, uh, where close to 90% of the population in Venezuela are Christians and are church-going believers, uh, they're big when it comes to going to church. And actually, on the week leading up to Christmas, uh, they have a tradition where they put on rollerblades and they put on skates and everything, and they ride in the rollerblades to church. Show the picture, y'all. This is in Venezuela. So they ride the rollerblades to church, and it's become so popular where the streets are filled on, Christ, uh, on, on, on the church uh, service morning that the Venezuela has decided to close off uh, major roads up until 8 a.m. so that way people can safely go to church. Anybody want to ride to church on Christmas week on your skates on Navarro? Never, let's not do that. I don't want us to get sued. Don't do that, okay? Anyways, it's pretty interesting. It's just tradition. Somebody say tradition. Now, one tradition I wish me and my family had was on Christmas Eve, I wish my parents let me open up a present on Christmas Eve, like as I was growing up. My parents always made me wait until Christmas morning. But if there's one tradition I could always count on growing up, it was having some tamales on Christmas morning while opening up presents. Can I hear an amen from somebody? I love me some good tamales, y'all. 
and we go eat some Chinese food for dinner, and then we go to the movies after. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, tradition many times just brings warmth in your heart. It just feels comforting sometimes, right? No matter what happens, like we want to do these certain traditions, do these certain things. It's time for the family to come together. Maybe you carry some traditions in your life where maybe that were passed on to you by a parent or grandparents or, or has anybody ever asked you why you do certain things or carry certain traditions and you respond by saying, I don't know, it's just how I was raised. It's just what I was taught. It was just what I was around. My, they did it and they did it and now, you know, I'm kind of carrying it on. See, what I've learned is humans, we are creatures of habit many times. We love routine many times. And we hate it whenever we have to compromise our tradition and do something else sometimes, right? Maybe this year was a little bit different, a little bit more tough because you couldn't do certain traditions. You couldn't go to certain places, do certain things because of COVID-19. You just didn't do it or couldn't do it, whatever. And maybe you were just bummed out. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Us as humans, many times we find comfort in tradition, and we love tradition and routine. You know, like, and whenever we have to compromise it, it just doesn't feel good to us sometimes. And I want you to understand this, that for the Hebrews, tradition was everything for Hebrew. Like, tradition, routine, what you do, like, when it came to the law, when it came to the requirements, when it came to the systems that they had in place, tradition was everything. And it's important for us to understand this as we read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13, because it told them to follow Jesus outside the camp. And I want you to understand this, that for them to follow Jesus outside the camp, to go to a place that was unclean, uh, you know, for them, impure, for them to follow Jesus outside the camp went against all tradition that they had and everything that they had been taught. It went against everything that they had been taught and their tradition. See, the idea of going outside the camp relates to the Old Testament sacrificial system found in the book of Leviticus. And we talked about it earlier as we opened up where they were giving clear instructions to make sure that after an animal's blood was shed, after a sacrifice had been made by an animal, that you then had to take the carcass. You had to take the flesh of the animal outside the camp. Because, you know, if you kept it in, it would have defiled the city with something that was unclean, something that was impure. So get this, y'all. To the Hebrews... Anything outside the, outside the camp was considered impure and unclean. Outside the camp, impure, unclean. That's why whenever people were diagnosed or had leprosy, they had to go outside the camp. It, once you pass away, you had to be buried outside the camp. In fact, even today, uh, people that are Hebrew or Jewish in, in Jerusalem, they are still being buried outside the walls. We're going to say outside the walls, outside the camp, same thing. Outside the walls, so much so where it's become so overpopulated to where they're actually running out of space because there's hundreds of thousands of graves, and they're talking about building catacombs there because of the mass, the mass amount of graves. So get this, just nothing dead, nothing impure, nothing like unclean. Just try not to keep that within the walls. We don't want to defile anything when it comes to the temple, the tabernacle. And growing up a Hebrew, you'd probably hear your parents talk about just how anything outside the camp was dirty. It was unclean. It was just impure. If you go outside the camp, if you go outside the walls, make sure when you come back, you're going to take yourself a good bath. We're going to scrub you. Like, just make sure you're careful outside the camp, outside of whatever city, whatever area that you live in. I just want you to guys to get that down real quick. But now, get this, they were being told. Executions, too, y'all. Executions and crucifixions had to happen outside the camp. That's why Jesus was crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem on Golgotha. See, for the Jews, anything outside the camp was just, it's just it was going outside the camp, it was just 
untraditional. Now they were being told, y'all, their, their tradition was being challenged because now they were being told to follow Jesus outside the camp where Jesus was at. Go outside the camp. See, and now they're coming against their tradition was being challenged. Them, and that's why the author spent chapter after chapter showing how the religious practices of Judaism was really pointing towards the glory of Christ. And get this, now the author was telling them that they're in danger of missing out on Christ and following Christ by holding on their, to, their, to their tradition. Holding on to their tradition. See, religion and tradition had caused the Hebrews to be more caught up in the how of worship rather than the who of worship. Religion and tradition was holding many of the Hebrews back from following after Jesus. They were more concerned with the style more than they were the substance. And many of the Jews were trying to figure out a way because now they had been commissioned to go outside the camp to get the gospel out to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to, to spread the gospel. Now they had to go outside the camp. In other words, they had to break certain traditions. And that was tough for them. So many of the Hebrews, what they were trying to do is this. They were trying to figure out a way to hold on to their tradition and do what they've been taught and what they were raised to do and follow Jesus at the exact same time. But the author of Hebrews was telling them it can't be done. So now their truth was, now their tradition was colliding with the truth, which was Jesus. And they had to make a decision. I want you to get this. They had to make a decision to either retreat from following Jesus and to go back inside the camp. In other words, to go back into religion and to go back into tradition and go back into what was comfortable. They had to make a decision either to retreat from following Jesus or risk everything to follow Jesus. They had to make a decision. And I want you to get this in the same way, me and you, I understand it may not be as extreme, but me and you, we are called to follow after Jesus. If you want to know what the mandate is over your life and what God has called you to do, you are called to be a follower of Jesus and follow Jesus wherever he wants you to go. See, because for them to hear Jesus outside the camp like that, for, for us, that would be like us hearing that Jesus is somewhere we never thought he would be. Like, right, like, I just want you to understand that Jesus is in places, he's at work in places that you maybe you have no idea about. And many times he's waiting on us to come in as the hands and feet and be the light and be the salt of the world and come in and make a difference and show the love of Jesus is out there. He's, he's working. His spirit's working, right? So I, I want you guys to get this real quick, you know, because I think that we've watered down the term follow so much, right? We say follow all the time. It's like, oh, I, do you follow this person on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, right? Like, we talk about following and unfollowing all the time, right? You know, like, if we lose interest, like, when we don't want someone on our feed on Facebook or whatever, we say all the time, like, oh, we'll just, we'll unfollow them. We'll unfollow them. Or if someone really makes you mad or whatever, you ever had to block someone? I don't know. Like, maybe you feel empowered when you do that. Or have you ever had one of those apps where you can keep track of who follows you and who unfollows you? Like, if you have one of those apps, you probably need to delete it. I did, because it was not good for my soul or my mental health, right? Like, it just wasn't good. We, we, we talk about, and we, we, we have this, this idea of when it comes to following, and not, right? You know what I mean? We've watered it down, and we're called to follow after Jesus. Let me tell you something. When it comes to your life, when it comes to your soul, when it comes to your heart, if there's one person that you should never unfollow in your life, that person is Jesus Christ. 
In other words, when it comes to following after Jesus, the author was telling them, don't have a fickle yes when it comes to following Jesus. You need to have a faithful yes, no matter what. Good times, bad times, suffering, persecution, crucifixion, whatever it may be, breaking religion, breaking tradition, breaking the mold, you need to follow after Jesus. Don't have a fickle yes, but have a faithful yes. See, even if you're having a bad day, let me encourage somebody in here, keep following Jesus. Even if that means that you lose out on some friends, let me encourage you, keep following after Jesus. Even whenever it's not popular, let me encourage you, keep following after Jesus. Even if you failed and you made a mistake and you're just down and discouraged, get back up and follow after Jesus. You are called. We need to be more concerned and we need to make sure that following Jesus is number one in our lives. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if it doesn't fit our schedule, fit our routine, fit, fit our concept, like, we need to make sure following Jesus is number one. See, some of us are more concerned. I know if I've been there, some of us are more concerned with who liked our last post rather than being like Christ and following after him. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time. Some of us are more concerned with liking who liked our last post rather than being like Christ and following after him. What I'm trying to say is this. We need to make sure that we get into a place in a position as a believer and as a follower and as a disciple of Jesus Christ where we say, Jesus, I want to follow after you, heart and soul, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do. Jesus, I want to follow after you. I want to be obedient to you. And in order to follow after Jesus, because here's what was happening with the Hebrews. They were being told to leave tradition, leave the religion. Right now they had to make a decision. They had to make a decision to step outside the camp. And follow Jesus. So I want to give you guys three points this morning. We're breaking the rules a little bit. I'm going to give you guys three points. If you have your syllabus, you probably say two points. But we're going to we're going to write in the conclusion spot the third point for right there, y'all. In fact, I don't I didn't do this first service, but I'm going to give it to you now. Here's the three things I want us to talk about. And these are things that we have to step out of or step into when it comes to following after Jesus. Number one, if you want to write this down, is tradition. And as you write that down, I'm going to get a little bit of water because I need a little bit of water from my throat. The first one is tradition. The second thing is ridicule. We have to step out of tradition sometimes. We're going to talk about that more. So the second thing is ridicule. And the third thing is our flesh. Tradition, ridicule, and flesh. And that's three things that I, I see in this scripture text when it comes to stepping outside the camp. Let's break it down real quick, and we'll dive deeper into it. Number one was tradition. We talked about already. They had to break tradition to follow after Jesus. Because for the Hebrews, following after Jesus, like when it came to their, like to be a Hebrew, you were so proud of your religion. You were so proud of your tradition and how it was exclusive to the Jewish ethnicity. And you were just so proud of your religion and your tradition, whatever. Like, And, and now they were called to step out of it. And, and they, they begin to have religious mindsets, and we'll talk about that more in a second. The second thing is ridicule. Jesus stepped outside the camp to be crucified, to be punished. He gave his all for you because he loves you so much. And he was, now, now the author was telling them, like, don't be surprised if, if you face ridicule. Don't let that stop you from following Jesus. And lastly, I want you to get this because this is a little bit deeper, and we'll touch on it more. The flesh. The flesh. What intrigues me you know, as I read this, is that, you know, Pastor Bobby has done a brilliant, anybody enjoyed the messages in this series from Pastor Bobby in the book of Hebrews? I don't know, we may just talk about the flesh first, I don't know, we'll figure it out. So, the flesh, get this, with Pastor, Bo Pastor Bobby has talked about, he's brilliantly just kind of went over, like, the, 
the temple system and like the, the, the structure that they had during that day when it came to the, sim, the, the temple and the sacrificial system. And, and he talked about how that is a reflection and, that was a, and that's a shadow of our journey in relationship with Jesus. For example, we know that an animal's blood was, was shed first. The blood, you know, was, was poured out right. And that's symbolic of whenever we repent of our sins and we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Anybody thankful that you're saved by the blood of Jesus? Plus, you know, after that, they would have to wash their hands, right? They wash their hands, which is symbolic of us being water baptized. And then also the, the priest would go into the holy place, the holy of holies. In other words, then we get, because of, because of us receiving Jesus Christ into our hearts now, the Holy Spirit makes a home in our hearts. And, and, and also, you know, God has more for us than he, when it comes to not just you having the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit having you. And we talked about a more water baptism, oh, spirit baptism, right? But here's what intrigued me. And if you want to look into that more, Pastor Bobby's preached great messages kind of outlining that and all that. But here's what got me, y'all. Yes, those steps took place, but the flesh, the carcass of the animal had to be dealt with. Think about that. The flesh, the carcass of the animal had to be dealt with. In other words, get this. In other words, yes, whenever you repent of your sins and you accept Jesus Christ, we're saved, right? But we still have our flesh. We still have our carnality. We still have our sinful nature. In other words, what part of you is, like, you feel righteous, but another part of you maybe just feels a little bit ratchet, right? You know what I mean? Like, or like you know, some days you want to fall after Jesus, but maybe sometimes the other nature wants to come out and just turn up, right? It's like, you know what I mean? We have that flesh. We have, and many Christians stop when it comes to receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their, of their heart, and they never deal with the flesh. They never deal with the sinful nature, and there's this conflict that takes place. There's this tug of war that takes place because you can't just cast out flesh, you know what I mean? You can weaken the flesh because now whenever you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and now you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and you feel like God's leading you and directing you, telling what's right, telling you what's wrong, but then again, you have the ratchet part of you. You have the flesh, the carnality part of you that's wanting to do the other things that you used to do that God brought you out of and you're like what do I do which way do I turn? you ever felt like that you kind of just felt like caught in the middle or whatever that's why it's so important to yield to the Holy Spirit to be obedient to the Holy Spirit see get this there's a difference I'm gonna go ahead and go down this is this okay with you guys is anybody is making sense y'all I know I'm kind of in different places the first one is the flesh when it comes to following after Jesus here's a scripture I want to give you guys in Romans chapter 8 verse 3 through 8 it says this and this talks about the flesh. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Somebody say sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Somebody say spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I don't know, like that's pretty powerful scripture, right? When it comes to the, the dichotomy between having your flesh and having the Holy Spirit in your life. Now we have to learn how to adapt and be obedient to the Holy Spirit because there's a difference between having the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the Holy Spirit having you. Let me give you an example real quick when it comes to this. Is this okay with you guys? Here, here's one of the things. Like, for example, a little story. 
uh, a while back, I took my little sister out. You know, me and her were walking our dog, Mason, around our neighborhood, right? My dog's a little dog. You know, he's funny. He looks a little goofy. I love Mason to death. He's awesome. And we took him around our neighborhood. And whenever I held him, like, he was he's really bad at, like, wanting to go forward, right, and wanting to, like, try to pull me. But, you know, like, I was able to hold him and keep him. And then I let Allison have, have Mason. And she was like, oh, my goodness, right? You know what I mean? Like, all over the place. Here's why. I'm just a little bit bigger than Allison, right? See, I... I had Mason, but Mason had Allie. See, some, what I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes in order for us to have the spirit of God in us lead us stronger and be stronger in our life, sometimes we have to weaken the flesh. We have to weaken the flesh. See, we get the Holy Spirit, and we, do, we weaken the flesh. We weaken the flesh by prayer, by fasting, by reading God's word, and saying, God, you have complete authority over my life. You have complete authority of my life. Because here's, here's, here's how. We get the Holy Spirit from salvation, but the Holy Spirit gets us from surrender. I'm going to say that one more time. The Holy Spirit, we get the Holy Spirit from salvation, but the Holy Spirit gets us from surrender. See, to be led by, by your flesh is to be led by your senses. What you see, what you feel, just everything, right? But to be led by the Spirit is to be led by faith. See, that's why we can't be led by our feelings so much in our emotions, right? Because just because something looks good or feels good doesn't mean that it's necessarily good in our life, right? We have to be led by the Spirit of God. See, that's why the Scripture says, walk by faith and not by sight. But it doesn't make sense, Caleb, you know, like, whatever. Walk by faith and not by sight. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like walk by faith and not by sight. That's why it's so important to make sure that whenever we give, whenever we serve, when we come to church, whenever, whatever, whenever we worship, we try to do it by being led by the Spirit of God, not by being flesh-led. Not by being flesh-led, but being led by the Spirit of God. Because those two right there, those, those two things are in conflict with one another. See, whenever you're led by the flesh, that will mess things up if we're not careful. But when we walk by the Spirit, we will walk into life and we will walk into peace. Anybody here wants to be led by the Spirit of God in your life? Here's what I believe. I believe that you can tell if you're being led by the Spirit by seeing the evidence of the fruits of the Spirit of your, in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, right? Seeing those fruits, because the more that you fall after Jesus, the more those, those fruits and those, those, the, the giftings are going to begin to grow in your life. Follow after Jesus. Follow after the Spirit. See, the, 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 the Hebrews being told, hey, follow, go outside the camp. In other words, sometimes I believe that's symbolic of us dealing with our flesh. So we're, now we got the flesh out of the way. Let's talk about the second thing. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the tradition that the Jews had during that time and how that relates to us. In other words, that word is synonymous, I believe, with the word religion at times. Um, can I tell you something real quick? Religion cannot save you. I'm going to say that one more time. Religion itself, in itself cannot save you. Jesus is the only one that can save you. In other words, what I'm trying to say is when it comes to religion, having a religious mindset, because to the Jews, they were caught up in this religious mindset because of tradition, because of rules, because of regulation. They had 613 commandments that they had to try to keep track of. And it became to where it was so legalistic, uh, systematic. It became uh, really just formalistic. It was just big when it came to rules. It was all about rituals, rules, routines. And what happened was that caused the Hebrews, that, that caused the Hebrews when it came to following, uh, that, that caused the Hebrews to, to see, you know, tradition and religion caused the Hebrews to, to think it was all about, you know, 
let me say it like this. Tradition and religion caused the Hebrews to be focused more on the rules and the standards and regulations rather than having a relationship with the holy God. Uh, that's what it caused them to do. I just came to tell you this Sunday morning that we can fall into the same entrapment sometimes as believers and followers of Jesus. See, religion, having a religious mindset, y'all, having a religious mindset is all about earning, achieving, do this, do that. It's all about, you know, you're following the rules, but, but you're serving the rules, but you're not serving the ruler. You're following the how, but not the who. You're just going through the motions. You're trying to achieve. See, we do not do good things to earn God's love. We do good things in our life because God loves us. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says this. I love this translation. It says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. See, what happened to the Jews where they were getting so caught up in the rules and all the different things and the standards and everything that, that they began to even add different commandments. They began to add different rules that weren't even necessary. And whenever Jesus came in, he saw this, and he saw the religious leaders. He saw the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus looked at the Pharisees, and at one point, he called them whitewashed tombs. In other words, they looked really good and holy and clean and righteous on the outside, but on the inside, they were dead, and it was just dirty, and it was not good. See, the, the, the religion, religion, just having religion, not focusing on the relationship, Having religion, see, that caused the Pharisees to do the work of the Lord without knowing the Lord of the work. And the Hebrews were so focused on religion and tradition, we'll say that, tradition, that they, it made them prideful and, and arrogant rather than, than humble and submissive. And that's what religion will do to you sometimes. If you just think, oh, i got to do this, i got to do that, whatever. Religion will make you proud of yourself. Religious thinking, religious mindset will make you proud of yourself, but the gospel will make you proud of Jesus Christ. Because whenever Jesus stepped into the world, whenever Jesus stepped into the equation, he saw the issues. He saw the corrupt system. He saw everything that was taking place in the temple. He saw everything, and he knew that we could never meet the standards. He knew that by our own good works, by our own good merits, we could never meet, you know, appease God fully. We could never meet the requirements of the law. That's why Jesus came in, and he was able to fulfill the law. He fulfilled the prophecies. He became the, the lamb slaughtered on the foundations of the earth. Why? Because he wanted them to remember and know, hey, I'm getting the hard part out of the way. I'm taking care of all these things so you can focus more on a relationship with me, and you have to be able to get outside the camp. And whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross, you know what he said? He said, it is finished. In other words, it is done. See, religion is spelled D-O, do, but having a relationship with Jesus is spelled D-O-N-E, done, because Jesus Christ has done it all. He's paid the price. Now you can be saved. Now you can be forgiven. Now you can have a relationship with God wholeheartedly, no restrictions. See, I think that a, a religious mindset hurts the church sometimes. In other words, having a judgmental mindset, earning, it's, it's more about achieving more than receiving. See, because I think sometimes people come to church and they get hurt by church and they leave the church because somewhere along the way, maybe they ran into a person with a religious or maybe judgmental mindset that whenever they saw someone that didn't look like them, talk like them, act like them, or whatever, like they may be on a different journey when it comes to their walk with God, they begin to become judgmental because it was all about religions and do's and don'ts and not about the relationship. See, whenever your relationship with God prospers, your, your horizontal relationships with other people will prosper. 
And maybe they, they, they begin to criticize and gossip and slander and talk bad. Why? Because it's just a religious, judgmental mindset. On the surface, everything looked good. But on the inside, they never fully gave Jesus the heart. Because Jesus, get this, Jesus didn't come, he didn't die for behavior modification. Jesus Christ died for heart transformation. To change us from the inside out. From the inside out. Jesus wants our heart. It's not about do's or don'ts. If you, if you just come to church just because it's just something on your to-do list, I'm just, oh, let's go to church today, honey. Done. I feel great. I feel holy this week. But then maybe you're in this place, but you're here, but you're not really here because you're just going through the routines. You're going through the religion. You're going through the cycles, and maybe you're just here. But now today, you need to ha- change that mindset. You need to change that focus and say, Jesus, no, this is a real, authentic, personal relationship with you. I'm going to step outside of the camp of religion and tradition. I'm going to break this cycle. I'm, I'm telling you what, that's when it starts getting more fun. And if anybody has ever been hurt by religion or tradition, and religious mindsets and religious thinking, I just want to tell you, that's not the heart of our God. That's not the heart of our Lord. This should be a place where people come in, no matter what they look like or where they may be at or whatever, where they can feel loved. And I love how Angela said, you know, it's like I was, I was afraid of being criticized, but doing this, like, Angela, we love you so much. We love you so much. You're awesome. And God loves you just the way that you are as well. You know, we need to make sure that we show the love of Christ. See, because for the Jews... They, begin, they began to get to a point where they were being told to, to, to go out, to go to Judea, to go to Samaria, to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel and, you know, share the gospel and make, you know, the disciples were told to make followers of Jesus. But here's what the issue was. They still had tradition and religious thinking because for them to go and associate themselves with Gentiles, people who weren't Jews, people that were unclean, people that were dirty, people that were impure, it went against all their ideologies, all their tradition and all their thinking. They had to break that tradition. They had to break it. Somebody say tradition. Tradition, religion. This is making sense to somebody this Sunday morning. I hope so, y'all. See, what sets Christianity apart? You can't just think that Christianity is like every other worldview out there. Christianity is not performance-based. It's not behaviorally based. It's faith and grace-based. Having a real relationship with a holy and loving and righteous God. If you think that church is just, you know, being a follower of Jesus is just a religion, no, it's more than that. It's about having a relationship. Jesus didn't come to die and establish just a religion. He came to die and establish a relationship. So let's make sure that we vow to be a church where sometimes, you know, we, we, we maybe came into church with certain traditions, certain ideologies, certain thinkings. We, we look at God's word. We're led by the spirit, not led by our flesh. And we're able to step out of that and step outside of the camp. Can I hear an amen? Here's the last thing I want to give you guys real quick. So we talked about the flesh. We have to deal with the flesh when it comes to stepping outside the camp. It's symbolic uh, of, of the flesh being dealt with in our life. The second thing that we talked about was, was tradition or religion, having that, that religious or, or, or traditional thinking. The third thing I want to give you guys is ridicule. When it comes to following after Jesus, you cannot be afraid of ridicule in your life. Like when it comes to, if you seriously start following after God and you face ridicule or you face adversity, see, sometimes people think that once they start following after Jesus and if they're facing adversity in their life, that they must be going the wrong direction. But sometimes that adversity and that tension, the ridicule is an indication that you're actually going the right direction. 
But maybe you're not facing any type of adversity because you're going in the same direction as your enemy and you're not willing to step outside. I'm just going to say that real quick. We have to follow after Jesus. And that means sometimes we're going to face ridicule. Not as extreme as the Hebrews, though, because for the Hebrews, you have to understand to follow after Jesus during this time was anything but popular. To follow after Jesus during this time period meant that you risked losing your home, that you risked losing your job, your family, your reputation, and guess what, even your life. Out of the 12 apostles, 11 of them were killed and were martyrs for the sake of following after Jesus. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't believe that he was worthy enough to be crucified right side up like Jesus was. That's how much they were all in for God. I understand we may not be in that same situation, but it was huge. They were not afraid. And for them to be told to go outside the camp like Jesus, that's why Jesus said, if anybody's going to follow after me, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow after me. It just, honestly, Jesus was telling us, hey, don't be afraid if you face ridicule in your life. And some of y'all are probably thinking, man, this is a great message for like my teenager that's going to school or whatever. But the reality is, we, we know how it can be, even at work, for the men and for the women out there. Don't feel like you need to compromise who you are and your values and, and, and what you feel like God is leading you to do so that way you can please other people because you're afraid of ridicule. Who cares if people know that you love Jesus with all your heart? Who cares if people know that you go to church? See, uh, if, you, if you, I'm just telling you right now, we need to stop caring about what other people think about us and what other people say about us. We need to start really honestly focusing on what God, what God thinks about us. And, and, you know, because if you live for people's approval, you'll end up dying from the rejection. I'm going to say that one more time. If you start living for everybody's approval, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to say that, you'll start dying from there rejection. Jesus said this, get this y'all. I've never seen this verse like on an Instagram bio or like, you know, on a Facebook, like I've never seen it. John chapter 15 verse 18, Jesus says this, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Remember that it hated me first. I've never seen that post. I've never seen like that Instagram bio before, right? Like the world hated you. Like in other words, Jesus was saying like, hey, just know if you're really going to follow after me, you're going to step outside the camp. There's going to be some moments where you may face some ridicule, where you may face some adversity in your life. You know, because get this, y'all. I mean, like I said earlier, they were being told to go outside the camp. In other words, it was the place that many of us, we have this idea that Jesus is just bottled up here in church. That Jesus is only here when we come on Sundays. Oh, Jesus is only at home, you know. I understand the whole, you know, Jesus is always with you. who never leave us, forsake us, right? But, like, sometimes we think that God is just at work in a certain area. But I came to tell you that Jesus is at work in your workplace. Jesus is at work in your neighborhood. Jesus is at work in our community. And guess what? He's waiting for his hands and his feet to come. Because right now, I believe he's moving on people's heart. And there maybe there's some people around you that don't know Jesus. And maybe you have some neighbors or some friends or some, some classmates or some workers and people next to you. And they're dying and they're hurting and they're deprived. And maybe they're just going through life. And maybe if they only knew about Jesus, if they only knew about the price that Jesus Christ paid, if they only knew how much Jesus Christ loved them, but no, sometimes we just stay in our little box and we say, no, this is just for myself. This is part of tradition. This is part of religion. This is my flesh. You know, this is, I don't want to face ridicule. I, I don't, but Jesus is waiting for us to step out, to share the gospel, to be the salt, to be the light of this world. But you have to step outside of your camp. And maybe that means you have to step outside of your comfort zone. 
outside of what feels comfortable. This is a call for someone to step outside of your comfort zone, to step outside of the camp. Step outside for Jesus. See, that's why our church, y'all, our church makes it a priority to do outreaches in our community and to show the love of Christ. Because of your generosity, because of your, you giving of your time, your talent, treasure, and serving, get this, y'all, we were able to feed close to 80 families Thanksgiving meals and minister and pray with people, y'all. And now we're getting ready for angel tree. We're doing all these different things, right? Because guess what? Jesus is at work in those places. If you would have seen some of the reactions of some of the people that we got to pray with, because before we ever got there, God was there. <laughs> they see, they were being told to follow Jesus outside of the camp. There are places where God already, he's omnipresent, but he's waiting for us to step up because the work has to be done. See, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Jesus is waiting for us. I wonder if we're going to be that kind of church. I wonder if, if we can be that kind of church that, that's willing to step outside the camp where we don't just settle for just living just an average, ordinary life where we just, you know, go to school, graduate, go to college, work nine to five, just go through a regular life, you know, have savings, have retirement, have kids, have grandchildren just pass away. We say, well, this is life. This is comfortable. This is what I feel comfortable in. This is what I was, this is what I grew up in, you know. Maybe you have the mindset where you're thinking, you know, my, my parents were drug addicts. My grandparents were, were caught up in all that stuff. My, you know, you know, and maybe they were caught up in drinking, whatever. And there was, there, maybe there were certain addictions or, or abuses or different things. And it's part of your tradition. And you think that you're going to be a failure, that you aren't going to graduate from college, that you aren't, aren't going to, you aren't going to be able to get outside of this camp. And maybe you feel restricted and you feel just confined. I came to tell somebody that there is the truth, Jesus Christ, that rivals the tradition that may be over your family, over your household, over your loved ones. Come on, anybody thankful for Jesus Christ? There is one who is worthy. There is one who defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. See, Jesus paid it all. The price that we pay for following after Jesus is nothing compared to the price that we have to pay to follow after Jesus. See, see salvation is free. You can stand to your feet. Get this. I, I love this quote. Salvation is free but following after Jesus will cost you something. Salvation is free, but following after Jesus will cost you something. I don't know what that may cost you. I don't know what resonated with you this morning. I don't know what that camp is for you this Sunday morning, but let me encourage you, step out by faith. Get outside of the flesh. Get outside of what other people think when it comes to ridicule. Show the love of Jesus. You don't have to be weird about it. Just, show, just live the life. See, your life may be the only Bible that people ever read. The life that you live. Sometimes it's not about what you say. Sometimes it's about how you carry yourself, how you respond. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you're led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And it's an ongoing process. But here's why we can follow after Jesus. We can step outside the camp. We can take risk like the Hebrews. Because we realize that this life is temporary. Bible says that life is but a vapor. We're here one day. We came into this world with nothing. We'll leave with nothing. We're, the Bible says that we're just pilgrims passing through. We have an eternal city. We have an everlasting. We have a home with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Verse 14 says this. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. 
God is forever. Jesus is the same. That's what he said in the book of Hebrews. He was reminding them, guess what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, it may be hard. Yes, it may be rough. You know, weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Keep following after Jesus. Don't ever lose sight of Jesus. Focus on him. Build on your relationship with him. He has so many amazing things in store for you. We have to be willing to step outside the camp. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you this morning, Lord. Come on, before we go, just one minute. Can we just worship him right now? Just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Maybe you're in this place right now. I want to pray over you. Maybe you're in this place right now. Maybe you haven't made that decision to fully follow after Christ. Let me tell you about Jesus, man. He, he loves you so much. He paid it all. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. We were dead in our sin, in our trespasses, but Jesus Christ came and he died. Because he lives, guess what? You can live. You can find life and eternal life in him. He's the way, the truth, and life. He wants to have a relationship with you. So maybe you're in this place right now. I want to give somebody an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Say, Lord Jesus. You just repeat after me. Maybe this is your first time praying it. Maybe you prayed this so many times. You just want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you were Lord. I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose. I love you, Jesus. I repent for all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys. Give Jesus a shout of praise. And Pastor CJ is going to come up and give instructions in a minute for those who gave their life to Jesus for the first time. But now I want to take this moment to pray over someone that maybe has been living in the camp far too long like you've been just staying in this certain area I want to pray over you that God would just give you a boldness and endurance and a confidence to step outside or whatever that camp may look like for you and I know it went over a little bit maybe that camp means different things but I want to pray over you guys Lord Jesus I thank you Lord for every person that's here Lord I thank you Lord that you because you stepped outside the camp Jesus you were willing to, to step out of the, the windows of heaven, Jesus, to take on flesh and bone, Jesus, to get outside of what was comfortable, Lord. You paid the ultimate price on the cross, God, that we as, as people, as followers and disciples of yours, Lord, can be willing to step outside of tradition, to step outside of ridicule, God, to step outside, God, uh, of our flesh, Lord, to follow after you, God. So we thank you, Lord, right now, Jesus. I pray right now, Lord, that there's appointments, Lord, that people are going to have, Lord, when they're going to meet people, Lord right now throughout the week, God, people that are in their workplaces, people that are strangers at the grocery store, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're just going to set up appointments, Lord, where we're not going to live in the camp. We're not going to keep you to ourselves, Jesus. We're going to step out and follow after you, heart and soul. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. If you believe that, can you say amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.